Good morning. Welcome. It was cold today, wasn't it? <laughs> Getting a little chilly around here. Uh, good morning to our online audience. We're so glad you guys are able to join us today. Uh, please leave messages in the link for special prayer that you need. Uh, questions you might have as you go along and we're talking through, uh, we're looking at living in the kingdom of God on earth. So we started last week this Thanksgiving series and we were talking about the three dimensions of the kingdom that Jesus talked about. And he talked a lot about the kingdom and uh, we don't talk near enough about it, I think, in our day and our time. Uh, Jesus talked about the kingdom that is at hand. He talked about the kingdom uh, that is within you. And he talked about the kingdom that is coming. Uh, when I was growing up, we had a, a lot of, of messages uh, talking about the coming of the Lord. And uh, in, in recent days, uh, that has circled around and I'm hearing more and more of that in uh, my podcast and listening to other pastors and ministers. There seems to be a sense of uh, we are in the last moments and the last hours and it means something for us as a church with respect to living in the kingdom that is here. The kingdom that is now upon the earth. So we want to talk through that. We're going to look at, uh, we started in the book of beginnings, in book of Genesis uh, chapter 1. We looked at uh, the, the uh, man being formed and uh, God giving uh, his blessings over him and sending him out to have dominion. And then the, today we're going to take a look at Genesis chapter 2 verses 21 through 25. And we're going to look at the forming of the woman. When man looked and said, whoa, man. (laughs) Everything God does, he does well, doesn't he? If you would look at Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. And please stand for the reading of God's word. I want you to hold your your section of that Bible, because we're going to look at uh, an earlier passage on that as well, later in the message. But this is where we'll start, right here. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked and the man and the wife were not ashamed. Heavenly Father, we invite you in these next moments to speak to our hearts, bring to life words that are on the page. Your Spirit gives them life, that we might know and better understand how to function in your kingdom and to walk as king's kids in dominion in a time in which there is so much unrest around us. How can we live in this kingdom and how should we live? And Father, we thank you for enlightening us and instructing us, and we will obey and follow you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you're seated. 
So we're going to touch on this. Uh, there's a word in here uh, that my kids uh, laugh at me saying, okay? Uh, because I grew up, well, I was born in West Texas, and, uh, you know, but raised mostly in Arizona, but all of these West Texans were around me. So I learned to say that word, uh, naked, naked. And, and uh, so they're always listening. They're fine-tuned to see if I'm going to, how I'm going to say this. And I really often don't know how it's going to come out because it's, it's a part of the habit. So, yeah, I was running down there naked. That dude was. And so that's kind of how I grew up. And so uh, periodically they will come out and you will learn where I'm from. <laughs> I said, I said it good today. I passed, I passed the first line of fire, so <laughs> we'll see how far we get, because we do repeat this. Uh, you know, I think it's strange uh, that we as Christians seldom talk about what Jesus most talked about in uh, the New Testament, that is the kingdom of God. Uh, John the Baptist announced that uh, this kingdom in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. And Jesus later came to Galilee proclaiming it. Uh, you can read about that in Mark 1.15. Much of Jesus' teaching uh, dealt with the kingdom of God. You might remember the parables that are pictured throughout Scripture. Mark chapter 4, verses 30-33. The, the message of the kingdom was uh, still the message uh, even after the resurrection. But you may remember Jesus in some of these parables saying, The kingdom of God is like... Or the kingdom of God is, is, is similar to or like, and, and then we'd give a, a, a reference, and often talking about the kingdom of God. But even after the resurrection, Acts chapter 1, verse 3, that was paramount in the message of Jesus. It was also the, the message of the early apostles, Acts chapter 8, verse 12, uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 8. In Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 14, Jesus makes it plain that the gospel of the kingdom and it, uh, will again be preached, he said, to the whole world in the days preceding the end of the age. That this would be a sign that, the, that, that it, we are nearing the end, is that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached. And so, uh, in, in, over a season, I feel like we, we have lost, we lost that aspect of the gospel in Christian practice and and, uh, you know, we might well wonder why the, the absence of the, that in the gospel and, and is it the cause for such difficulty that, and failure and, and discouragement that much has felt inside the Christian world. It is, it is and I would say it is, because we uh, get our eyes focused outside and we see what is happening, the, the turmoil in our world, and, and uh, we are very close right now, all of us, to... Uh, the recent election, and we see a divided nation, uh, a divided nation and, and divided neighborhoods. I mean, it goes down all the way to localities, and uh, there, is, there is such division that just a handful of votes uh, turn elections in, in many places that we live across the nation. Uh, and it is, it is a, uh, for us, as we look at it, there is a lot of division there's, there's a lot of, of uh, activists, and, and there's a lot of things that have risen up that, that get our attention. And they cause us to look outside uh, and see what's going on in the world and be troubled on the inside, to be discouraged. And so it was one of the reasons why I believe Jesus so wanted us to focus on the kingdom. And he was speaking to a group of people you think we are experiencing uh, minor persecution in, a, in, a, in America for being a Christian 
uh, you, you know, across the world, uh, so much more persecution. But in the day in which Jesus was talking, uh, this was, uh, they were at threat constantly. And, and under the Roman Empire, they, they were, there were horrible things that took place. Read into history of how that even uh, the Christian church, the early Christian church, that many Christians were taken and they were covered with pitch or tar and they were lit on fire and they were used as torches to light the way in certain areas. It was this horrible, horrible time. And Jesus is speaking to them about keep your eyes on the fact that you're living in the kingdom. You who are born again, who love me and who are following me and obedient to me, you're not living in, in the world, you're living in the kingdom of God. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And you're living in the kingdom. Jesus uh, expects his servants to exercise their authority and their influence living in the kingdom. And in short, he expects them to be priests and kings on his behalf. He says so in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into the wonderful night. I don't you know, know if you have um, ever read through Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a collection of historical uh, stories of Christianity going all the way back as far as, uh, as, as record has it. Uh, the sufferings and the persecution of so many. It is an encouraging book, uh, though, though dark in the sense of, of what is happening in these lives, to see how people that, that understood this and were living in light of the kingdom exited the world under great persecution. As I remember the story of one man who was taken to be burned at the stake in the 1400s. And uh, they, he, he says before... Uh, they, they are ready to light the, the, the fire underneath him. And, and uh, he says to those that are around him, you know, take my shoes. I have no need of them. Use them. I'm going to be with my father. And, and to, to have this kind of understanding uh, shows that this person was living somewhere where the world couldn't touch them. They were living in a kingdom that no matter what was going on around them, uh, it had no impact in them. They, were, they, they recognized what Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So as long as I'm here, I'm going to be shouting the praises of God. But if God puts me into your hands and I get an early exit or I exit this world, I'm just going to go uh, to, to be with Him for eternity. It's going to be a wonderful experience. There is a, a desperate need for us to understand the message of the kingdom. It's, it's especially, I think, in the hour in which you and I are living right now. We, we live in a time where there are multiplied millions of people that have been overcome and, and they're ruled by wicked spirits uh, in, in, the, in the world around us. We, we see that in Scripture uh, all the way back um, to, the, to the really early stages of of the Bible and the recording, we can see the work of the enemy and, and the forces that are at work there. One of the early uh, books of the Bible, Job, talks about uh, the sons of God and the gatherings that when they came, Satan even came, he showed up uh, when God would have a convocation, a meeting, a gathering. And, uh, you know, he was accusing uh, all of us on, on the earth before God. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? You know, he, he lives in the kingdom. <laughs> 
And he said, uh, you know, he's, he's, I'm really proud of, of the way he's living his life. Well, you give him into my hands and see what will happen. Well, you go ahead because he's living in a kingdom that you really don't have effect over. <laughs> You're the prince of the power of the air, but he's living in the sense of an understanding. Now, Job wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect as we read through uh, his, his book, and, uh, but he did not turn his back on God as others had turned their back on him. And he got what he wanted in, in the beginning was a meeting in, with God. Sometimes you get what you ask for, you know, and he, he wanted this meeting with God. And then God had, he had a bunch of questions for God, but God had a bunch for him, right? Where were you <laughs> when I created the earth? When I set the boundaries of the land and the ocean? Maybe you should trust me. Maybe you should have confidence in me. I don't remember you being around at that point. <laughs> Though I had you in mind, you were not formed yet. And so in some instances, we've seen even this kind of thing overcome Christians, where they have been falling into a depression and a discouragement. And so into this hour, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is within you. And take authority and start living in that kingdom. God's plan for man through Christ is that we exercise rule and authority over the earth and everything in it. We read about that last week in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 28. Of course, the, the devil is greatly opposed to that plan, and, and he's going to try to frustrate it in every way. And one of the things that you may remember that we talked about last week that is so important for us to understand is that when we fall in sin, we give the thief what God gave us. Whenever we fall in sin, we give to the thief what God gave us. Now, how does that happen? Proverbs, Proverbs 25, verse 28 tells us that whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down without walls. In other words, easy to plunder. There's no walls. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no kind of uh, stop between uh, the enemy and, and what you have and what you've got. And, and so whenever we fell in sin, whenever we fall in sin, we give to the thief what God gave to us. The, now we can get it back through Christ and through surrender and, uh, in, to him and his lordship over our lives. He gives us back that dominion and that authority. But we need to understand how powerful it is when, for, when uh, sin is when it, when it destroys the walls around us, when we give into it. And, and we allow ourselves to be seduced away and, uh, that we are participants in being dis disobedient to God. We set ourselves up to lose what God has given to us. Right. You can lose your peace. You can lose your peace of mind. Yeah. You can lose your confidence. You, you can, you can lo lose your boldness. You know, we, we walked through some, some dark days together. Uh, you know, we were not all on uh, this, this storm on the, on the waters. We were not all in the same kind of boat, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, we were, we were all in this storm, right? And, and uh, we watched, you know, friends and people, and maybe it happened in us that there was tremendous fear that rose up that, that you know, what is going to happen? Am I, am I going to live through this? Am I going to make it? And, and God's saying, come live in the kingdom because I wrote down the days of your life from the beginning, and nobody gets to subtract one or add one. I'm the one that's watching over you. And he's saying, don't live foolishly, right? But he's saying, live confident and bold that I have your life in my hands. 
Not, not, not the pandemic, not, not, not government, not anything else. I have you, I hold you. And it is our, our understanding as we come to live in kingdom, in the kingdom of God, uh, what, you know, how we should walk and how we should live in this. And so that's what we're breaking down for you. Kingdom living had a beginning uh, for mankind, and, and we do well to learn from it. So we looked back at last week at the dominion that God had given. Now let's look at the birth of family, the origin of family. And the Lord said, uh, the Lord God said, he caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh in its place. The rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman, and he brought her to the man. It is the commencement here of human society, and it is built the way God says it will work. And God says, this is the way I've founded it. This is the way I've built it. This is the way it's going to work. And other kinds of ways will not stand. They will not work. Here's how I'm building family. I took woman out of man, created woman, and the two are coming together. And then the proclamation of Adam, uh, who says, this is now bone of my bones, Flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Now, when we first see man, and this is where I was telling you to hold your Bibles open, because we'll back up a little bit in this passage to chapter 2, verse 18. When we first see Adam, you know, God brings him. It's an interesting moment, right before the, the creation of a helpmeet for Adam. He brings him to uh, a, a place in the garden, and it says... Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good for that, that man should be alone. That will make him a helper compa comparable to him. Now, I, I would say that Adam was already experiencing loneliness. And this is what God recognized and realized, it's, it's not good for you to be alone. This is, there's, there's an overarching message to this. Uh, with respect to, to our walk as Christians, it's never good to be alone. God did not create, you know, lone rangers. Uh, it says uh, later in, I think it's in Psalms, where it says God took the solitary and he set them in family. God intended for you to be in family. And, and so it is also here, and God sees this. He says, I will make a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord... God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. And so Adam gave names to all cattle, to birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper comparable to him. Think about that for a moment. What, whatever he called every living creature was the name by which they were known. God giving him, uh, giving him an opportunity to exercise the dominion on the earth, whatever you call these animals, that's going to be their name. That's what they're going to be known. I could have named them and told you this is the giraffe, this is the, the lion, this is, you know, you're going to do it. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to proclaim and, and say what they are. But also, in this moment, you're going to realize that 
you, you, I created you higher, different from these animals. You're naming them. You have dominion over them. They are, they are not uh, the same as I have created you. And nothing could, could better represent the organization of, of earthly life upon the basis of man's supremacy than, than this exercise that, that God gives to Adam in this moment. Uh, but there is, there's, a, there's a problem that is emphasized in this exercise, and, and it is exclamation point. It's another reason I think God brought Adam to this place to see it, and that is that there, is no compar- uh, there was no compatible uh, life for him. There's no, no companionship. He did, look, oh, the zebra has another zebra, the giraffe has an, another giraffe, and elephant has another. I don't have anybody. <laughs> it's the recognition of the need inside of Adam. Human society must spring out of something higher than animal life and, and man's mere earthly position. We have a maker, a promise keeper, a king above all kings, a heavenly father, right? The deep sleep, the divine manipulation of the flesh frame, the formation of this new creature, uh, not out of the ground, but out of man, the exclamation, uh, you know, here or, uh, for Adam to see, you know, that this is flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, she shall be called woman because... She is so closely akin to man. And it represents the fact that companionship and also the sacredness of family life. The divine beginning of human life is the foundation of which healthy society is built. The destruction of family life brings about the destruction of society. The relation of the sexes, the man and the woman, will be purest and noblest when their hearts are unfolding in love to God, in obedience to God, in, 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 in divine uh, relationship with Him. It is out of that relationship that marriage works, that the coming together of, of the two uh, that are so very different, we'll talk about in a moment in our application side, uh, it, it works. It works because God gives you the love you need to love your wife with. God gives your wife the love she needs to love you with. And boy, he has to give her a whole lot to make it work here. <laughs> and we need him, both of us worshiping him. And the closer we get to him, you see this, the, the triangle, the closer we get to him, here's, here's the, the man, here's the woman, And the closer we get to God, the closer we get to one another. The distance between us narrows as we get closer to Him. And so then we have Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 21 through 25 we just read. And I want to point out a couple of things here as we go through the application of this passage for our lives and kingdom living. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife. Now, early biblical hermeneutics... Uh, teaches you this, and if we have any Bible students, you can say it with me because you heard it a million times from your professor. Whenever you see a therefore, you want to make sure you know what it's there for. There you go. (laughs) Whenever you see a therefore, you want to know why does it say therefore. So therefore, you know, uh, in this passage, 
here it, it's following Adam's declaration about the woman of, that God gave him as a help me. This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Therefore, what is going to happen? And it begins to unfold for us. Adam in this moment recognizes how that it is going to be going forward for every generation what marriage is going to look like for his kids and for everyone afar off, for himself and for everyone afar off. He begins to see this picture for the first time of what it's going to look like. The marriage and the family unit will endure and thrive so long as a man shall leave his father and his mother. Now this is probably not a happy thought, you know, for uh, we, we've gone through the, the um, you know, recently uh, or over the last several years, we've gone through this empty nesting thing. How many of you have done that? And was, I was talking to some parents, uh, well, this week on Friday, we uh, met this uh, couple, we're, we're speaking with them. They're getting ready for that. They got one, one left in the house and, and they are not happy about it. <laughs> They're not excited. And I can imagine, you know, that, uh, you know, even Adam thinking about, man, you know, I'm going to have kids and, and we're going to bring children in the world. And what is this going to look like? And do, am I going to want to let them go? I mean, I, I love my wife and, you know, I know how much love I have for them. I can imagine what it's going to be like with my kids. And, and it said, a man shall leave father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. We have been raised in homes that are so very different. We unite in marriage and become one flesh, and it doesn't happen because we have a wedding. It doesn't happen because we think we're in love. That coming together and becoming one flesh, biblically speaking, that we're talking about right here, it happens because we have a Savior. It happens because the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our Heavenly Father, is the one that unites us and we become one flesh. It's how two completely different people can live, love, serve, forgive together for 39 years, right? And she still is so grateful for me every day. <laughs> never a fight, never a problem. It is how we can remain together and remain on target in mission for Jesus Christ is because He is the center of our life. And, you know, it's, it's uh, I won't say that we've never even thought, you know, about divorce. So that thought hits your mind in great crisis, but it has never been explored in any way because we both recognize that you know, we need to get right with Jesus and then we'll get right with one another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it never fails that when I get right with God, I get right with her. And I don't know, I can't speak for her. You know, I'm sure she would say the same, but I know when I'm standing outside of what God wants me to do and it brings friction and difficulty in the relationship. And when I get right, it brings harmony into the relationship. And so I would say to you today, if your marriage is, is divided, if you're fighting more than you're uniting, the answer is leave and cleave. What do I mean? Leave the traditions of man. In some instances, it, it is, I mean, we're really speaking about home life where we have unhealthy attraction uh, and relationships at home. And, uh, you know, we have a wrong kind of relationship with mom and dad. 
Uh, we have a wrong kind of relationship with siblings, and, uh, and, and that is bleeding over and hurting the marriage and the relationship. And that needs to be broken. And this is, this is priority, the relationship that God has given us together. In other instances, we really are talking about leaving practices that maybe we grew up in the family. Uh, you know, uh, those were things that we did. Those were things that we celebrated. Those were things that were not godly, that were not obedient to him. And uh, we have carried them into the relationship uh, just like we had carried some idols from, you know, uh, like, like they would in the past. Here's my, here's my wooden idols and stuff like that. We'll put Jesus somewhere up here too. And, and all those things have to be torn down. They all have to be left, burned, destroyed, left behind us so that we can press on in together into the presence of God. How did we come into the world? Job said, naked. <laughs> And we will leave the world naked, right? We, uh, he says, look, you know, you didn't bring anything in. You're not going to take anything out. And leave it behind and enjoy the relationship that I'm giving you together. You're going to unite. It's going to be awesome what I'm going to do through you when you leave and cleave to God. That's what we're cleaving to. I don't want you to miss this last sentence, though, of the chapter. It's, it is very important. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and read this last line with me, and were not ashamed. Let's say that together again. And were not ashamed. One chapter overall that changes, you know, in sin. It, it, it constantly changes when we enter into sin again. And then the redemptive work of God can bring us back. God had a plan through Christ to bring us back to him so that we could live the way you're supposed to live in the kingdom. And how, how, what is this saying about kingdom living? No shame is a quality of kingdom living. Yeah. Now listen, I, I want to I be clear on this. When I say no shame, I'm not talking about no humility. No shame does not mean no humility. Uh, it means that you, you understand you are, and these are some christian e terms, you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're adopted into his family. He's done all the work. You're the recipient of it. And because of what Christ has accomplished on your behalf, uh, you are in right standing, and therefore you can live with... I don't know if you're convinced. Justification means just as if I never, and so I have no reason to be ashamed. It's a powerful, powerful visual for a world who constantly is ashamed because of sin. There are things hidden and covered that you would never see. They're in closets. They're put away. Uh, you get close enough, and they won't let you very close. You can smell it, right? It is... It is stuff that we're ashamed of and we're walking around it affects our very posture sometimes you're walking in crowds of people and you see them literally bent over under the shame of behaviors and things that are going on in their life and it is a striking thing to see somebody walking uprightly who isn't ashamed and 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 it does first you know the the first thing that someone wants to do is is to accuse you of pride 
But as they continue to watch, they see the humility with what you're living with, the understanding that it's been done for you, that you're not doing anything, that this is not a religion, that you're, you are gaining brownie points on a daily basis by doing good deeds. Everything has been done for me. I am so grateful for that. I am so grateful I can walk unashamed. I can walk in the presence of the Lord and not be ashamed. Think about it. Why do we end our prayers in Jesus' name? Why is that the close of our prayers? Can I read one that I wrote uh, a while back for you? Father, you know me. You know my name. You have witnessed my sin. You have seen my disobedience. My name has no authority in your kingdom. So, Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, who was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my sin was laid upon him. Heavenly Father, I ask that you heal my marriage. You bring my prodigal children home. You restore my right relationship between them and you. And you give us a heart for what moves you. You fill us with your presence, power, mission, passion. And I ask this in the name that is above all names. The name of Jesus Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus because we know our name means nothing. It has you know, no significance in the, in, the, in the kingdom in the sense of doing, uh, accomplishing the things that God wants to accomplish, uh, affronting the enemy. There's a story in the, in the, in the Bible about um, these, these brothers that got together. It's in the New Testament. And they were so inspired by watching some of the disciples, they decided they would go cast out demons too. And uh, they get beat up, bruised, and their clothes just stripped off of them. They ran away naked and beat up by these demonic powers because they came in their name, you know. And, uh, and the demons said, we don't recognize you. But the apostles came in the name of Jesus. Yes, amen. Amen. In the Old Testament, uh, the, the great war that it was going on in the heavenlies and you know, the, the archangel Michael, uh, you know, said it didn't inv invoke his name, his power. But he said to, the, to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Because yeah. I, 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 I have no, you know, I, I'm not going to stand in any authority I have. I'm standing in the authority of Jesus Christ, who paid the price. I'm going to ask our worship team to come and, and as we're getting ready to close. And I, I want to pray over families today, both online and on campus. Uh, family has been under attack since the world began. You know, it started with Adam and, and Eve, and, and the enemy saw what could happen there. And so the temptation in the garden, God says, every tree, go ahead and enjoy it. And the enemy always, his success with us is this, you know, God gave, gave you all these trees, right? And there's good fruit all around. But God's keeping one to himself because, he, you know, he's cheating you. It's, it's what destroys marriages is like, you know, you know what your relationship is with this woman. But what about that woman? She likes you. And it could be completely different. 
you know what your relationship is with your with your husband but what about that man you know he would probably pay more attention to you he would be sensitive to your needs it's always what we don't have that the enemy is trying to get us refocused on so this battle with family has, is age long and all these people that think they're inventing something new are deceived completely um, the destruction of the family began a long time ago and they're just playing into the hands of the enemy and I want to pray over families today, over marriages, over parents who have lost children. And, and I'm not saying lost children in the sense of they've passed away, but they're lost. They're, you know, we talked about a few weeks ago what that means, the meaning of being lost, being estranged from God, being separated. God's going to bring those children home. Children that, um, you know, have lost parents. And maybe you are here and, and you're found but your parents are lost. They don't know Christ, and you want them to come home. Or a spouse that is estranged, and you have found Christ and centered your life in Him, but your husband, your wife is not uh, a Christian. They're not a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want to pray over you today. Family does not work without God. He has to be at the center, and when we make Him the center of our life, then, then life works. And so I want to invite you to stand with me and as our worship team is going to be singing here in just a moment. If you want prayer for your family, then I want you to come down. We're going to, we're going to pray for you. But before that happens, I want to pray for our online campus. Heavenly Father, there are people listening right now that are watching right now who, Lord, their families are broken. There, there's uh, many that are estranged from you in relationship or in some instances just one or two but God, you're, I'm praying that you would bring peace and harmony and, and you would bring healing and bring prodigals home, God. Bring healing to these families, God, that they could be the unit that you called them to be and created them to be, that they would see that there is no hope outside of you, uh, no, no joy, no contentment, no peace, and that they would invite you, Lord, into their hearts and lives and they would move into the kingdom of God and start living among the king's kids, walking as a member of the church, the bride of Christ, that they would have confidence that no matter what is going on around them, nor what, no matter what their feelings are, that there's one who knows them intimately, loves them, and has purpose that they be here now. Lord, unite uh, and break, uh, break soul ties, uh, the, the wickedness of enemy, Lord, addictions, uh, the things that he has done to separate family, bring them together. Yeah. Bring healing. Yeah. Lord, for those that are online and watching right now, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.